Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Of course, I am a big believer in the Constitution and the law, after all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. To listen to this show, find us on fouriderradio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Let's jump right into it, because we are picking up right where we left off last week, also with our guest AP. How's it going AP? A full week after that last episode <laughs> that we just talked about. Yeah. Welcome back a week later. It is going well. It's <laughs> long time no talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this this is the resolution of the Daredevil uh, two-parter. I would recommend you listen to our last week's episode on part 1 because this this literally is just a continuation of that. So mm-hmm. If you want to watch these episodes, this series, uh, like always, is available on Disney+. Plus. You can purchase it on other digital platforms. And uh, this particular two-parter is available on the Daredevil vs. Spider-Man DVD. Public service announcement. I looked it up. The DVD is available on Amazon and Target. I am assuming it is available in other places. It's around $9.99, so. Oh, hey. Nice. Yeah. If it's still on sale at Target, yeah, it shouldn't be like a tough. I wasn't sure when I mentioned it last week if this was going to be like one of the hard things to find, but mm-hmm. clearly not. That's exciting. Until they release a complete series DVD set for this show or Blu-ray set or whatever. it's That's the only physical media you can have on this show. So AP, get it while you can. Can you believe that there is no complete series DVD or Blu-ray of this show? There isn't? No. Nope. I was They've so sure that there that. was. That's in, that's nuts. There's right? like bootleg versions of it, and I don't th- I don't even think that it was released in the UK because the UK has released some Spider-Man shows like on in in their region. I don't even think that this has gotten a, re- a official release over there either. It's just just those random volume sets with like four or five episodes on it is all we've ever gotten, oh, wow. and it isn't even all of them. It's genuinely unbelievable. Like it's hard for me to understand how how <laughs> like yeah how? i was i was so sure that it was on deep that's crazy right yeah. maybe it's like a mandela effect and i like convinced myself i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. so silly <laughs> so silly i would buy it if they if you released it disney uh-huh me too <sighs> oh so i just also public service announcement target has five copies left Amazon (laughs) seems to have like an unlimited amount because there's no number listed on their websites. Very good to know. know. So try to get one of those Target ones first if you can, and then I guess you know you can subject yourself to Amazon. I suppose. I was gonna say if you want those Target Circle points, yeah, you got got five more chances. (laughs) 
Beautiful. <laughs> well, the episode we're talking about today is Spider-Man, the animated series season three, episode seven entitled the sins of the fathers chapter seven, the man without fear. The synopsis per IMDb is satisfied that Spider-Man is on his side. Daredevil joins forces with him to clear Peter's name and bring the kingpin to justice. The original air day is September 28th, 1996. Again, the story is by John Semper and Mark Hoffmeyer, um, a different writer of the actual teleplay this time. Um, Sean Catherine Derrick is the credited writer. That's the um, greatest name. Right? Just, just Sean Catherine Derrick. Yeah. <laughs> That's <like> amazing. <laughs> Um, I, this is her first episode of the show and I am blanking on if she writes any more. I think she writes a few more, um, after this, but this is her first episode. Um, she was a story editor on Batman, the animated series, and also wrote on the Smurfs, Captain Planet, a bunch of Mortal Kombat cartoons, Kong cartoons and Bionicle cartoons. And I think maybe like short films or something too. She also worked on a very recent Tarzan and Jane show and Pac-Man show that both came out like within the past few years that I had no idea existed. Like I didn't yeah. know they were making Pac-Man shows. Like I Pac-Man is the one of those two that I'm aware of existing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tarzan and Jane I did not know. Yeah. Or at least about, a recent like, Tarzan and Jane. Yeah, like I knew about the 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 one after the Disney movie, but this oh, is yeah. like from like 2018 or something, I think. So. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just pulled up her IMDb. The is it the Pac Man was 2013 to 2015. Yeah, and uh, Tar Tarzan and Jane was 2017, so not too far, not too long ago. Yeah. Never wow. heard of them. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I would like to petition to use Sean Catherine Derrick as an excuse for us to do a commentary on Captain Planet. Sure. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, my official petition anytime I'm, I'm not against that <laughs> Plenty i'm options. sure it's come up before but now it's on yeah. the record <laughs> yeah <laughs> well no real characters to introduce here because this is just part two um and they don't pull a uh you know new cabbie character situation on this episode it's just <laughs> picking up right where it left off so uh, we can pretty much dive into this okay so after a recap, uh, this episode picks up pretty much where we left off. Like I said, uh, after a couple of Fisktronics guards set off a bomb to destroy evidence that could incriminate Wilson or Richard Fisk or both, uh, Spider-Man and Daredevil are nearly trapped in the collapsing facility. However, the two who moments ago were clashing with each other, which I don't know if I really sold that hard uh, last week. These two like were not on the same page at all. Daredevil like fully bought the Spider-Man is being a bad guy story that was being sold early on. But now they're good. They work together to escape with the data disc that Spider-Man was initially attempting to retrieve. Yes. So once outside, Spider-Man gives the disc to Daredevil to deliver to Matt Murdock to clear Peter Parker, LOL. And Daredevil <laughs> shares with Spider-Man information that Matt Murdock wasn't willing to share with Peter Parker, LOL, again. <laughs> Secret identities make a mess of things, don't they? <laughs> but that information being is actually very important is that Wilson Fisk is the crime lord known as Kingpin. So after like three seasons, Peter Parker finally knows that Wilson Fisk and Kingpin is one and the same. Mm -hmm. I love this for two reasons. One, I love the Spider-Man giving something to Daredevil to give to Matt Murdock to kind of give to Peter Parker <laughs> uh, and then sharing information with Spider-Man that he wasn't comfortable sharing with Peter Parker when he was out of his, like, I just love that. It's so funny. 
Um, yeah. And it's never it's never like overly confusing or anything. Like it's just it's it made me chuckle. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I love about this is now that <laughs> now that Wilson Fisk is officially known as the kingpin by our protagonist, we can just say kingpin like all the time. It's great. <laughs> you can just be kingpin. There's no alter ego anymore. Most yeah, of the time. Great. <laughs> um, there's a line I wrote down, but I don't remember when it comes up, but it's in these one of these one of these opening scenes. And maybe it's during the fight at the beginning um or something. But uh I really like uh like I think Spider-Man's just like, how do you do that? And uh Daredevil just responds, maybe some of some of us look at the world differently than others, mm-hmm. which I think is a great line. I like that yeah. line. It's good. I like it a lot. What do you think of the way that they portray Daredevil's powers or perspective on screen? I loved it. I was just about to mention that. I absolutely loved it. I loved how they portrayed like the radar vision, mm-hmm. especially with the red. I, yeah. I, I'm not quite used to that. I don't know. My mind keeps going back to that 2003 movie where everything was blue. Yeah. Blue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is a weird choice. Why was it blue? Yeah. Um, but I love how they portrayed it. It's so like nonchalant too. There was the one moment where Spider-Man and Daredevil were on the roof, I believe, or mm-hmm. maybe yeah, they were on the roof and or maybe it was the last episode. I don't quite remember, but there was one moment where they were on the roof and Daredevil goes, there's two guys behind the sign, like one of them's out of shape, he's breathing heavy, he's, and then he swings behind there, beats them all up, throws them through the sign. Oh. And love I was it. like that is amazing. Yeah. It's such a nice way to showcase his abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Like just how he's so in tune with in tune with everything around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's really OP in these episodes. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, it would be I, I I found myself doing that annoying fan thing, uh, where I was like, if they were just like in a room and fighting, like, who would even win in this show? <laughs> like it ultimately doesn't matter, but I, I found myself thinking that because he is kind of like uh like super duper powered, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't undersell him at all. <laughs> no. So, just as Spider-Man begins putting pieces together with this new information, specifically regarding Hobgoblin's interest in Wilson Fisk, which again is really cool that they're calling back cuz that was like first season stuff, right? Like that's Yep. two seasons. Was- you and I, Derek, have not talked about that for literal years. Um yeah. which is mm-hmm. wild. But but knowing this and sort of thinking this out loud, uh, he isn't able to, like, really get too far with it because they're confronted by Agent Choi and a slew of armed officers. So they split up and they dip out. Uh, shortly after, Detective Lee confronts Choi, insisting that Peter Parker is innocent and asks questions about why Choi is jumping to conclusions, especially now that there's new information, that things are happening, developments are unfolding, um, and Choi doesn't seem to really be interested in like investigating or actually solving it. Choi, of course, gives Detective Lee no answers, threatens Lee, uh, and then drives <laughs> off. <laughs> So there's our heel turn for Susan Choi, like real actual heel turn as opposed to just like, you know, diligent federal agent Susan Choi. (laughs) Yeah. I really like her voice actor a lot in this episode specifically. Like she didn't have a lot to do in the first one. In this one, she is intense. Like she is always so cranked up. She's like, there's a lot of moments in in this episode where she is just like screaming and yelling at people. And it's like so cranked, but in a way that like, I love, like, I think it really works. Like, 
I don't know, man. Like, but she she's just like on a whole other level sometimes. It's really good. Even like in this confrontation, she's mm-hmm. just like, I'm mean now. Go away. Yeah. It's like I love it. It's great. I, I feel like on another show, these two these two and their dynamic could carry an entire show. Am I wrong, AP? I feel like these two the little bits and pieces we get of how they interact with each other could go a long way. No, I completely agree with that. I feel like yeah. there's a fun, dramatic energy and tension between the two. I think there's yeah. a good uh, will they, won't they thing happening too. <laughs> I think there's oh, that too. Okay. Thing, yeah. You could very easily work that in, I think. There's like a little bit of like an antithesis there too. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of a, um, like like an opposites attract type <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah. They're like, they're foils to one another because both of them are sort of often go, even though we only see Choi a little bit compared to Terry Lee, both of them like go rogue, like within the, uh, the areas of law enforcement that they work like as Terry Lee has Mm -hmm. done in the past. We've seen her like go off the book in, in pursuit of like weird vigilante stuff and teaming up with Spider-Man and Choi is just, is doing pretty much the same thing that Terry Lee does. Just instead of doing it for the superheroes, she's doing it for the super villains Mm -hmm. instead. Yeah. So it's like they're, they're two sides of like the same coin. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It it's, it reminds me of that whole, um, that whole discussion about the whole Jimmy Woo spinoff. Oh, let's just do like a spinoff of agent Choi and Terry Lee. And they're just kind of like chasing each other through New York. (laughs) They're like intersecting on cases that they're not expecting to intersect on. They have like (laughs) moments where they like look at each other just a little bit too long. They're like keeping their betrayals to their particular law enforcement things as secret as possible and as secret from each other as they can. Uh, I can see it. I think it's good. I think it's all there. (laughs) Yeah. Here for the Choi Lee spinoff. Right. We'll just, we'll just write that fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> it works. works for me. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a lot, but I feel like of the Spider-Man shows, this and Spectacular have the most fanfic. So I wouldn't be surprised oh. to find a Choi Lee uh, uh, fanfic somewhere. What I was Googling. By like one person. When I was Googling, I did at the very least find a deviant art um, that wasn't actually someone's art. It was just a screenshot of Terry Lee, like <laughs> arresting Susan Choi. And it, I think that it was I think that the caption was like Terry Lee dominates Susan Choi or something. So it's definitely out there. It exists. We didn't just invent this. Yeah, we're not the first. OK. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> New OTP. All right. Well, <laughs> at Fisk Tower, <laughs> Alistair Smythe attempts to celebrate his successful framing of Peter Parker. Weird thing to take credit for. Uh, but Kingpin expresses dismay at the destruction of his Fisktronics building, basically saying, like, did you have to blow up my building in order to do it, Alistair? Um, and Richard Fisk interrupts their conversation to share two pieces of bad news uh, that really put a damper on Alistair Smythe's celebration. He says, one, Peter Parker escaped that airtight cell. He's not dead. Um, and two, Spider-Man made off with the data disc before Fisktronics exploded. So literally nothing about blowing up the building or trying to kill Peter Parker worked. Great job. <laughs> mm. That's all important plot information, but I 
the only thing I kept thinking about in the scene, seeing Alistair Smythe and Richard Fisk interact is that like both of these people are like Richard Fisk is literally Kingpin's son. Alistair Smythe is like his protege kind of son stand in, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And both of them have like horrific Brown mullets. Yes. What's I was about? getting them. I remember getting them confused. It was a whole like rehash of, child ap getting <laughs> batman and superman confused in that one cartoon. <laughs> i <laughs> i this is one of those moments in the cartoon that i vividly remember from my childhood the dude in the like hovercraft thing he had the mullet and then the mm -hmm. other guy had the mullet and i thought they were the same guy i didn't why wouldn't you they look exactly yeah. the same i know yeah just i could one see a timeline walking, that's the only difference like right right i could see a timeline where they're just they're the same character just at different points in the series you know yeah <laughs> so funny it's just it's just funny that they both have like a similar relationship with kingpin and it's just like are you required to have that haircut in order to like be kingpin's like yeah. son stand-in or, or something i think I so <laughs> which means that captain planet is the next son <gasps> oh, oh no. No. <laughs> secret origin <laughs> you're just you are just desperate to get these captain planet references in the as many as possible i gotta make a really strong case right <laughs> yeah that's that's always how it's worked we don't decide on the after dark episodes the day of yeah i know that you'll be just so difficult to convince that we must watch a classic beloved cartoon uh, that i gotta make a big case for it yeah yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately for Kingpin, in the wake of Peter's public trial, Aunt May's medical emergency of being stressed and having Aunt May disease is being broadcast publicly <laughs> on the news. And they realize that Peter is likely to visit her in the hospital once he finds out, uh, which means they'll know exactly where to find him uh, and try to kill him again. Uh, and they're right. Uh, because moments after Peter returns to Murdoch's loft and turns on the TV to see that Aunt May is in the hospital, thanks to the news, uh, he's like, I got to go find Aunt May. This is wild. <laughs> What's even more wild, in my opinion, is the conversation he has with Matt after finding this out. Because Peter's trying to, like, is immediately going to leave to see May. Murdoch returns home and is just like, you're a wanted criminal, like, for treason. You should not leave. Like, duh. You should cooperate with the authorities. We are, in fact, we have the evidence. Everything's going to be fine. And uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter then responds, ah, you have no idea what it's like to lose someone you love. Okay. The gall. The gall. First of all, you don't say that to anyone. But second of all, didn't Matt just tell him his origin story in the last episode that involved his dad being disappeared? Like, did he get, I know part of that story was for the audience mm -hmm. and not for Peter, but didn't he tell at least part of that, like how he was blinded? And I feel like, didn't that include the dad dying part? I don't know. Even if it didn't, it's still a shitty so. thing to say. Yeah. He definitely included that part to Peter. It's, it's yeah. the stuff about becoming Daredevil that he didn't, but everything before that, Peter should know. Yeah. So what the yeah. fuck, dude? Hey, the, the only things he knows about Matt Murdock is that he's he was blinded and then his dad died. Uh -huh. And so he's going to tell him, you have no idea what it's like to lose someone you love. Fuck you, you p little piece of shit. Oh, my. Yep. Uh. Mm -mm. No. Nope. Peter sucks. Anyway, <laughs> Peter sucks. <laughs> and Murdock doesn't slap him. He's just like, well, 
you suck, so you can leave. Like, <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> no, not really. He's actually just like, actually, I do. So I understand that you want to see your aunt. So go ahead. I'll deliver the discs to the uh, to the federal authorities. Much calmer than I would have been in that situation. It, yeah. Like then. The- the more normal alternative than just like smacking him across the face with his like cane. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, yeah. Which you should have done. Let's also, <laughs> also gives the show the opportunity to kind of throw like Matt Murdock slash Daredevil under the bus, which we'll get to in mm-hmm. a hot second. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, mm, mm, Matt like should have slapped him. I don't him. like it. Just bad. Don't like it. <laughs> should have slapped him. I mean, Daredevil is one of the heroes that have, He's actually lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, this is, I don't know where he's at in his story in this realm, but I mean, he's lost a lot. Like the, the other superhero that I think about when I think about like crippling guilt is Matt Murdock. They show him yeah. in church constantly confessing things that he feels guilty for like he it's a big theme catholic he has that good old catholic guilt <laughs> exactly. it's like built into his persona <laughs> right he had it before he was daredevil <laughs> like, like, uh, i don't know the bane quote otherwise i would do it something something born in guilt something something adopted it whatever anyway <laughs> hospital wow, nailed, <laughs> to avoid, nailed, nailed that one nailed that one yep uh, to avoid being seen on his way to the hospital, Peter arrives as Spider-Man. Um, he sort of like checks in on the situation through an open window. And here's Anna Watson talking to MJ and Harry, Harry appearance here, about how terrible Peter is. Uh, and MJ, upset that this is coming up again, storms out. And Harry even comments like, yeah, she really doesn't like when people talk bad about Peter. Like, he knows firsthand, I'm sure, it sounds like. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moments later... Peter makes his way through the hospital by climbing on the ceiling, my favorite thing, uh, and he runs into Harry comforting MJ in the hallway. So, a little bit more Harry. This will be important later on. The fact that Harry has appeared in this particular episode. (laughs) Yeah, because otherwise you would forget that he and Mary Jane are dating because that never Uh comes up ever in any episode. (laughs) Unless they need Peter to be sad. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Well, we don't find out exactly why that is uh, just yet, because we cut over to Susan Choi's office, uh, where Murdoch is offering Choi the data disc. He does the right thing at first and asks for a receipt, because he says, this is the only copy. I need a receipt that this exchange is happening and that you have this disc. And Choi is like, there's no time. My people might shoot Peter on sight. So Matt Murdoch is like, oh, okay, I guess. Why didn't you make another copy, Matt? Why what? is that the only copy? Why didn't you make another copy? It's 1996. Computers had CD burners then. That was a thing you could do. Why didn't you make another copy, Matt? What are you doing? Also, why did the show do this to him? <laughs> he totally fumbles. And it's... Yeah. Why? Matt, Matt Murdock's smarter than that. Right. Yeah. Come on. I agree. <laughs> right. I it agree. makes me Come so mad. I get that they were trying to figure out how to, like, get to the next thing, but it didn't need to come at the expense of Matt Murdock, your featured character. Yeah. <laughs> odd choice. That bummed me really out. <laughs> and we as the audience, I mean, we know more than him, obviously, right? So, like, there's that. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, we wouldn't necessarily know this if this was the only thing we knew about Daredevil. But there are other versions of Daredevil that would be able to figure out that something is off 
with Susan Choi just based on her behavior and her heartbeat and the way that she's right. handling the situation, how she reacts to him reacting to her, right? Um, right. So it's kind of a bummer if you have even just a little bit more knowledge about Daredevil uh, that Matt Murdock fucks this up so hard. Yep. Real Don't bummer. Like I I was waiting for it, for there to be a reveal where like, oh, he actually knew she was a traitor and this Me was like too. part of his own fate. I know. Nope. He just messed up. All oh, three of us were expecting that. At that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. Big oof. Um, well, mm-hmm. as expected, Susan Choi makes a phone call to an unidentified person who I'm sure is just Richard Fisk. I didn't even check the voice, but I, I'm sure that's who it is. Yeah. Um, and confirms that she has acquired the disc. Uh, Terry Lee, uh, now suspicious of Choi, having been threatened by her, uh, spots Choi leaving the office and decides to follow her. Mm-hmm. Back at the hospital, we got some hot, steamy romance going on. Here's the payoff. <laughs> Peter pulls MJ into a maintenance closet, and uh, he's asking MJ to help him, but she just instinctively kisses him, but then immediately pulls back, citing her relationship with Harry, and then Peter has like the most non-reaction. He just says, I know. Anyway, let's uh, talk about how you're going to help me. And she's like, okay, sure. And then they never comment on it mm-hmm. for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yep. Very bizarre. I mean, to be fair... There's a lot going on. Peter's under a lot of stress. He's worried about his Aunt May. But like (laughs) the surprise kiss, it is a weird non-reaction to that. It's a weird non-reaction. And it's like there are so many more subtle ways to do this. And they just take the most direct way possible that I think ends up being the reason the reaction is so weird. Yeah. Why wasn't it an almost kiss? I don't understand. Well, they were in a hospital maintenance supply closet. I mean, if you've watched any medical drama, <laughs> any medical drama, that Damn is it, the AP, place where you're the so right. Happen. Damn it. So that true. is where kisses happen, you guys. That is a television law, um, and I can't believe yeah. I forgot it. I, I am Very such a point. fan of the law. Elevators and hospital supply closets. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, All they right. just couldn't resist. They couldn't resist the the, the power was just drawing them to it. You have to. It's yeah. required. Peter These... would be in 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 be deeper trouble if he didn't. He would be like definitely going go to go to prison, go to television prison uh-huh. if he didn't. Yeah. These mops, you know, <laughs> hot mops, just set in the mood. <laughs> Well, shortly after, uh, MJ and Peter enact their plan. Uh, Peter dresses up in medical scrub. Peter dresses up in medical scrubs, full face mask, and everything. And MJ pulls him into Aunt May's room, basically saying, "Doctor." I think she calls him Doctor Peters, by the way, uh, which is like <laughs> funny. Um, and says, "Like, there's an emergency. We need you right away," uh, which allows them to get past the federal agents that are guarding Aunt May's room. A decent enough plan, I guess. It's it's as believable yeah. as any other TV or movie that would do something like this. Yep. Yeah, sure. So inside the room, Peter speaks with May and shares that Murdoch should be able to clear him. Uh, but their conversation is interrupted by Anna Watson, uh, who isn't a fan of Peter, of course. Uh, but wait a second. Is Anna Watson wearing a very familiar yellow and teal belt buckle? <laughs> What? Uh, Peter's like, Anna Watson activated my spider sense? She must be really mad. And his, his eyes just never lower low enough to uh, to see the, the, you know, the belt that completely clashes with her outfit, by the way. Yeah. That belt goes with nothing. <laughs> it really does Nothing. I, I will say, as much as Anna Watson sucks, 
Majel Barrett uh, doing her voice. I really like that her performance is really drastically different when Chameleon is being Anna. Like it's much softer and like much nicer in a way that's like almost kind of off-putting because we're so used to her just screeching and shrieking and angrily yelling, you know, every other yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely different performance that she puts on. And like nobody else when they're playing Chameleon as impersonating their character, like changes their performance at all. She's the only one, which I think is really fun. Well, I, I appreciate that she does it. I feel like Peter Daniel Barnes kind of does in last episode. Or he's maybe it's more just attitude, I guess. He just is like, yeah, more of a piece of shit, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But okay, yeah, definitely. Which which just means that that Anna Watson's actor knew better than the show itself that you could portray this character as being fishy without putting a big ugly belt on them, and we would have yeah. still gotten the message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put her in charge. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, Lillian, and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Yeah, so after May tells Anna that Peter will be cleared, because she's you know, May is happy to, to, uh, to hear this, she uh anna offers this fake anna uh, offers to help peter to leave the hospital unnoticed uh but then as soon as they get outside reveals herself to be chameleon and uh he knocks peter and mj out with poison gas and the two are loaded into a van and hauled off stop revealing yourself chameleon doesn't need to do that get him in the van walk away (laughs) yeah anyway back to Choi and lee our favorite couple yeah (laughs) Detective Lee is following Choi uh, and watches her get into a limousine that she's then able to look up as registered to Richard Fisk. This is where I'm talking about Wilson Fisk losing a little respect for his his son being so messy. Uh, You should be getting into an unregistered vehicle or a vehicle registered to someone else. Richard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Detective Lee calls Matt Murdock to fill him in on the situation and says... Or And he says, there will be the devil to pay for this. Because you probably couldn't have said there will be hell to pay. And he's daredevil, yeah. so why not, right? Mm-hmm. Cute thing about this scene that I really liked, uh, that's mm-hmm. a callback uh, a little bit here. When Lee pulls over to check the plate of the limousine, she stops in front of a theater that is featuring a show called The Horror of Dracula. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fun, because she's tied to uh, Blade. Yeah, um, fun fact about that one. Do, do y'all are y'all familiar with that with that movie specifically? 
because it's it, it's a British movie. It's the actually the British adaptation of Dracula from like 1958. And then when they Amer- when it came over to America, since there was already a movie called Dracula, they called it the horror of Dracula. But mm-hmm. what's really cool about it is that Christopher Lee plays Dracula. Um, Peter Cushing, as in like Grand Moff Tarkin, plays Van Helsing. And uh, Michael Goff, who is Alfred in like the 80s and 90s Batman movies, uh, is also in it as Arthur Holmwood. So a pretty stacked cast for their uh, Dracula movie. Christopher Lee, <laughs> Detective Lee, Peter Ooh. Parker. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's how deep it goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Considering that movie was made before Spider-Man was invented. Yeah, I bet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> AP, have you seen the, have you seen the blade detective Lee stuff yet? I have not. Oh, I'm so excited for you oh. to watch it. No, yeah. I've only seen the Wesley Snipes movies. So. I mean, hey, those are really good too. So, mm. <laughs> I did watch the was it was that channel? Oh, Spike TV, that like men's channel mm-hmm. back when Blade was on. Yeah. They had that Blade TV series for a little while. Mm-hmm. I watched that a couple times too, but I've never seen the cartoon. I so. only learned that that show on Spike existed like four weeks ago or something. <laughs> really? Literally had no idea it existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't last very long. <laughs> it was like maybe maybe 12 episodes, 11 yeah. episodes. It was not. Yeah. I mean, that iteration of Spike TV would have had to have lasted long for any sh- particular show to last a significant That's... amount of time, right? A good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I know Spike still exists, but like the sort of hyper, this is a men's channel for men. Yeah. I feel like that didn't last that long. No, it definitely didn't. Well, no, Spike doesn't exist anymore. Oh, it that doesn't even exist Par- anymore? It oh, became God. Paramount Network. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought yep. it was still out That's there. a step up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were 13 episodes. Yeah. Wow. That's surprised. I don't think and I ever it watched technically, it. it technically continued after the events of the third Blade movie. So I'm still curious. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't have high expectations, but I'm curious. I wouldn't not watch it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it all started with Dracula. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so at Richard Fisk's home, uh, Richard fills Kingpin in on his acu- acquisition of the data disc and the retrieval. I can't talk. The retrieval of Peter Parker Uh, at Fisk Tower. Kingpin praises his relationship with his son, especially as compared to his relationship with his own father. So Alistair Smythe's like, hey, Kingpin, you want to fill me in on a flashback to your origin? Kingpin's like, yeah, sure, Alistair. I'm going to fill you in on a flashback to my origin story. So we get a Kingpin flashback, yeah. which is the first the first time we've really ever gotten any backstory for him. I think Alistair is even like, it occurs to me that I don't really know anything about where you came from. Um, because I don't think Kingpin would tell you based on what yeah, we learned later. Why would he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Kingpin says that his father had dreams of being a big time mobster and uh, Willie who would Kingpin that was uh, Kingpin's nickname um, as a kid. Willie was ostracized for his size, failing to live up to his father's expectations. When the two found themselves attempting to escape during a heist, Willie's father left him high and dry in order to escape, Uh, refusing to incriminate his father. Willie instead ended up in prison, uh, which is really fucked up and tragic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially because his dad was like sitting right behind him in the hearing. Yeah, like yeah. right there when the judge was like, I mean, we could, you know, help you out if you just tell us who you were with. Uh, yeah. 
and then you see the shot of Kingpin or Willie and his dad right there. Yeah. Ugh, poor Willie. It's rough. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how they, I like how they echo it at the end of the episode too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. So in prison, Wilson learned to survive on his own, acquired the necessary skills to succeed on his own and took on the name Wilson Fisk when he was released. He quickly became known as the kingpin of crime, managed to erase his entire criminal record somehow. Good job. I don't his know technology do skills. Yeah. Sure. He, uh, hey, who knew He's that he hacker. was such a computer whiz? He's a hacker. Yeah. Hacker um, kingpin. Yeah. Finally, in order to completely eradicate his former self, Kingpin orders his own father. Mm, something happened to him. He probably killed him. You know he killed him. He definitely killed him. He summons his father <laughs> to his like lair, and his dad's like, "Oh, Willie, you finally made something of, of yourself." And then Kingpin's like, "Oh, really? Did I?" And then it just sort of cuts off. But you know he murdered his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, fucked up very fucked up i don't know kingpin origin stories so i don't know if this is like a standard typical one or not do either of you have any insight on like a a standard kingpin origin story or i, I do not yeah, but kingpin has always been a pretty ruthless ruthless villain oh yeah very very underrated in the grand scheme of things i feel like people always remember green goblin and just like the the more classically ugly villains <laughs> and they forget all about Kingpin probably being like one of like realistically probably one of the worst of them all. You know, I agree with you, AP uh, Wilson Fisk is just too hot for us to remember that he's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but no, I do agree with you. Like I, 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 for a lot of folks, he's not the first one to come to mind, but he is really brutal. Derek and I just read, <laughs> a comic issue where he crushes a man's head between his hands. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's rough. <laughs> he's a bad dude. I think there's also something to be said about the fact that he is like a primary villain for both Spider-Man and Daredevil, like separately for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And like, like what other villain do you think of? That's like, obviously plenty of villains cross over, but like, you can find as many people associating Kingpin with Spider-Man as you do associating Kingpin with Daredevil. They're like each like arch nemesis of, or he's an arch nemesis of two different superheroes. And like, nobody would really argue that. Like, mm-hmm. I think the argument is like, is he more of a Spider-Man villain or more of a Daredevil villain? And it like, it doesn't matter because he's both. And yeah. that's pretty incredible that you can have a character who isn't like technically super powered, uh, be that formidable and associated with two different characters like that. Yeah. Ooh, bad dude. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, we flash forward from this now that we've gotten some Kingpin background. Um, and we flash forward to Richard Fisk's home where Peter and Mary Jane are placed in another suffocation chamber in Richard Fisk's home. Odd. Uh, but this suffocation chamber has a window, which is perfect because just as Richard Fisk activates the chamber, Peter and Mary Jane are able to see Terry Lee, a number of backup officers, and Daredevil arrive to confront Richard, the chameleon, Agent Choi, and all of her backup officers. So we're in for a battle here at Richard Fisk's home. Oh, it's wild. It's <laughs> wild. <laughs> they have managed to manage their chaos much better than they did i think than the first season the first season the chaos made me actively not enjoy watching the show when it got real bad this is like not unwatchable it's like it makes sense 
It's it's yeah. it's only when necessary do they get chaotic. It's not yeah. just like an absolute like clusterfuck on screen. They segment it out well too, because yeah. you have different characters that you can sort of follow and root for, and then once they've done their thing, they're out of the way. For example, like there's a cool bit with Detective Lee overpowering Agent Choi and freeing Peter and Mary Jane. But like she and Agent Choi go at it for a little bit. You see a good little fight sequence. Terry does this fucking flip and kick thing <laughs> to like take Choi out. It's fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. Um, and then, you know, you check on her like one more time in the fight. But other than that, she's kind of out of the way because she doesn't need to be focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a moment for like Mary Jane who like once she's escaped, she like flips flips a dude over and it's like, I'm a single woman living in New York. Of course I take self-defense classes, mm-hmm. which I have questions because isn't she dating Harry? She's not a single woman. Like she's a single <laughs> woman on like tax documents, but yeah. like technically she's not single. If she's That's dating someone. That's the age old question of what is single? Do you, yeah. must you be married? <laughs> I would like it to be a point in marriage. It just like a signal that like Mary, maybe Mary Jane isn't as committed to his relation to her relationship <laughs> with Harry. Is that like, that Harry might think that she is, but you know, unequivocally what it means in 2021. Yeah. (laughs) If not in 1996. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I kind of jumped around a little bit, but yeah, Peter, since Peter is able to escape, he splits up from Mary Jane, stood up a Spider-Man. So Spidey can join the fight just as he does. Chameleon transforms into a copy of daredevil. Spider-Man figures it out, figures it out pretty quick. And it doesn't even like really matter because daredevil is able to, like subdue him anyway so like whatever it's all fine doesn't figure it out from the belt though he figures it out because daredevil's better with the club just pointing out that the belt still but i mean you did point out derica that it is it is understood as pretty much invisible in the show but still 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 (laughs) fucking belt but yeah so all that's going on and then he also stops richard fisk from escaping he does, but before he is able to actually restrain Richard Fisk, uh, or specifically like restrain his hands, Richard Fisk tosses the data disc to Chameleon, who has, I guess, been cutting himself loose this whole time, <laughs> and then <laughs> runs off with the disc. So Daredevil and Spider-Man follow Chameleon as Chameleon hitches a ride on a helicopter. Lots of helicopters in New York in this episode. And that helicopter goes straight to Fisk Tower, which Spider-Man remarks that he recognizes as the place where he previously encountered the Hobgoblin. So another callback to that season Mm -hmm. one uh, Hobgoblin versus Kingpin uh, mess. (laughs) So once they get there, Spider-Man distracts Kingpin's security so that Daredevil can confront Kingpin directly, which I think is cool. I mean, it's a Daredevil featured episode, so give him some time with with Kingpin, especially like you mentioned, Derek, they're kind of, he's like an equivalent foe for, for both of these characters. Um, And we're going to see plenty of Spider-Man and Kingpin later. So cool to get a little bit of just Daredevil and Kingpin. Those two clash for a little bit. Kingpin and Daredevil both. I I can't decide if I thought this was good or not. I think I'm landing on it's a little bit corny, but I understand what they're going for and appreciate it. But while Kingpin and Daredevil are fighting with each other, they both like say things that like trigger flashbacks that make them parallel and sort of echoes of each other's origin stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine. What do you two think of these? Cause I don't know. I mean, I don't hate it, but I also don't like it. I'm like weirdly, weirdly indifferent about it. I don't know if it adds much. I, I yeah. appreciate the idea and the artistry of it because it's not a thing that the show ever does. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that the lines are so 
simple and basic <laughs> that there isn't really it's just like I don't know. It almost is like weirdly too easy or too unsubtle. I don't know. I think, I think just there's not really a lot of weight behind the lines that they're saying, even though there's not enough finesse. There's not enough finesse. Yeah. And it doesn't really seem, it does. It also seems kind of forced, like working it into their battle dialogue too. I think, um, I think the only one that I liked was, I don't even remember what the line is, but there is like one line where it is both child, Matt Murdock and child, Wilson said like the exact same thing in their flashback and they play that back to back. But even then the line itself, I don't even remember. It couldn't have mattered to me that much. It was more just like, Oh, it's cool that you are really connecting these characters like specifically, but they just went in two completely different directions. Like I like that idea. It's just a little too ham fisted and it, and it comes and goes so quickly. You know, it's like the, um, is it Batman versus Superman? When it's like, Oh God, my mother's name is Martha. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. It's a little, it feels a little too much of like a heavy handed coincidence that it does something that really feels like a natural connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The type of thing that they could have done with more artistry had Daredevil gotten his own series. And if Kingpin Mm -hmm. was allowed to be a part of that series. Definitely. But Anyway, ultimately, Kingpin overpowers Daredevil, uh, but luckily, Spider-Man arrives just in time to help, except, of course, he's run out of web fluid. Oh, no. (laughs) It had to happen eventually. It had happened in a couple episodes. Uh, Yeah, well, Kingpin seemingly escapes via helicopter, but Spider-Man and Daredevil do manage to hitch a ride in the helicopter, and they actually manage to take it down and restrain Kingpin on the street below. So, like, wow, we did it. We won. Nope. Never mind. It wasn't Kingpin in the helicopter at all. It was Chameleon, and Kingpin was able to get away. But guess what? They actually didn't show the belt this time. (laughs) Yeah. So I was fooled. Uh, Yeah. For once. Pelt causes so many problems. Just get rid of it, man. <laughs> they will. I just, it's, just, it's I still got to wait a little bit. But either way, even though Kingpin got away, Spider-Man does count his blessings that the chameleon was still carrying that data disc that's going to exonerate him. Yes. Here's the fascinating bit. This is an interesting <laughs> interaction I would love to get both of your thoughts on. Daredevil comments that he knew it was chameleon all along because he is, quote, able to see through disguises. I have a question about that all on its own. But then (laughs) Spider-Man panics for a moment, wondering if Daredevil knows his identity. And Daredevil claims he doesn't know Spider-Man's identity because he says he respected Spider-Man's privacy uh, and then says he's a big believer in the Constitution and the law. Okay, question number one, working backwards. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? (laughs) I, I, I think they're trying to say like... He respects his freedom as a citizen to be a vigilante. I guess. Sure. (laughs) Stretch. I don't. What is. uh, It's terrible. Here's the actual question, though. Two parts. One, Daredevil says that he respected Spider-Man's privacy. And so he doesn't know his identity because he, like, chose not to see through Spider-Man's disguise. But, like, it wouldn't work that way, right? No. <laughs> oh, he like, definitely knows Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> By voice alone. He, he, can, he can hear people's heartbeats. <laughs> right. And like everybody's, everybody's like heartbeat, I'm assuming, is different. His heartbeat, he his breath, his voice, yes. his yeah, smell. His voice. The way that he, he smells, I'm patterns. sure. 
He spent all this time with Peter. I mean, this sounds dirty as hell, but he knows what Peter he knows what Peter's body sounds like. Yeah. So like he he know he knows how Peter functions. Does Peter wear deodorant? Then Daredevil knows who he is. Like, yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, I think that actually explains everything. If it's he, he just knows and he's just saying what he knows will make Peter feel better in this moment. And mm-hmm. I think the big believer in the Constitution and the law thing is just like his way of just putting a capper on that and just being like, see, I'm such a good person. I would never do that to you, even though I know you're Peter Parker. And I, I, I would never do that. I get the compulsion to not let Peter know that he knows because he being a superhero himself with a secret identity understands the gravity of it. So I could understand, but like, there's gotta be a better way. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's also the big believer in the constitution and the law line. That's just like, don't forget. It's, it's like, it's like the series telling you, don't forget that daredevil is also like the blind lawyer, dude. Mm. Huh? Yeah. They're just being real. A good guy lawyer. Yeah. I guess so. It's weird. I thought I was trying really hard to like tie it back into other weird comments they made about like when Peter's like, you know me, I would never betray my country. Uh, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't tie back to that. Like at all. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Daredevil says, I think you're right. AP probably just to like ensure that like, he's a good guy. Or maybe it's like, maybe it's a weird way of Daredevil telling Peter Parker, like, Hey, I'm your attorney. But I think he hints at that later. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. It's weird. It's very strange. Yeah. Maybe it is the first hint. Maybe it's a series of hints. Yeah. But it's a weird thing to say. And I, I wish you had trying to make sense of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a silly line. It just doesn't seem like something that daredevil would say either. (laughs) Right. He's like a guy who specifically like breaks the law in order to get things done. Like, yeah, he's, he like most vigilantes, works above the law like yeah oh, whatever anyway the other part of that is like he sees through chameleon's disguise which is strange i guess Derek, remind me how this chameleon's disguises work i don't fucking know doug are you t- i don't know it's like a he I, okay i belt, expect me cl- not to remember a, things that have happened a, no there's <laughs> like do we not just, actually learn he hits a button on a belt and then light shines and he's another person. Like okay. they've never gone any, it's so just then, technology somehow. So, okay. So then in that case, I guess, can we assume that it's like a hologram and that's how he yeah. sees through it? Cause that I, think I could that's buy. the only way that it makes sense. Yeah. But then we shouldn't be able to see your fucking belt. Anyway. <laughs> <sighs> Take a tip from Mysterio. Anyway. Okay. That, I feel like I've said enough about that scene. I'll get over we know, it. We know what we're getting you for the holidays. No! <laughs> Don't you dare! <laughs> Actually, that would be really funny if you wore that belt to a party where people recognized it and then said that you were someone else. Like, if I went to a party where people knew what that belt was and I was like, oh, no, I'm not Doug. I'm Derek. I just, I'm going as Doug for Halloween. Like, that would be funny. <laughs> that's really, that's such a heady Halloween costume. <laughs> It's what everybody wants to do on Halloween, right? Think really hard. Mm, yep. <laughs> yeah, those are the, everyone's favorite costumes, the mm-hmm. ones that it takes a conversation to understand. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> well, anyway, back to this lovely episode here. Uh, presumably, actually, pretty much everything else in this episode is like resolving things and tying things up. So, presumably, days or weeks or who knows how much longer later, uh, Richard Fisk and Susan Choi find themselves in court together, and the judge declares them guilty of selling, you know, sensitive information. Uh, as Kingpin watches, sitting right behind Richard in the same position his father was sitting when he was in court. The judge continues saying that the court is willing to exhibit leniency if the two of them, Richard, names accomplices, hearkening back to Kingpin's own predicament as a youngster. Kingpin whispers to Richard that sacrifices must be made, which I think he, did he say that when he killed his dad too? I don't remember. It sounded familiar. I think he did. I think so, yeah. But it's 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 a very obvious, clear echo to what Wilson Fisk went through uh, when he was a kid. And based on the next scene, it's very clear that Richard does not rat out his father. Yeah, but I'm sure that won't come back to bite him later. (laughs) Nope, couldn't possibly. Yeah. Outside the courthouse, Peter is met by Kingpin, who apologizes for for Peter getting wrapped up in all of his son's misdeeds, claiming ignorance of the whole situation. And Peter, like, knows that Wilson Fisk is the Kingpin, but, like, can't acknowledge it because, obviously, that opens up a whole other can of worms. And he's in a safer position by by knowing something that Wilson doesn't. So Mm -hmm. he has to, uh, you know, shake his hand and accept his apology, even though he knows that this was all Wilson's fault. Also, I just need to add, Peter wasn't in a suit for his first trial. He is in a suit now, and I'm pretty sure it's the exact same suit that this, this, the black suit created for him, that like the symbiote created for him back in the first season. It's like the <laughs> Armani suit that he's wearing right now. <laughs> Beautiful. Good job, Peter. <laughs> he yeah. liked it so much, he went out and got one somehow. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe Matt Murdock bought it for him. Maybe, yeah. We then get these two little scenes, one of which is specifically setting things up for the future of the series, and one that's specifically tying things up for these two episodes. The first one is a scene at Fisk Tower where Kingpin fires Alistair Smith for his constant bungling of plans and wonders how long he'll have to wait, how long Kingpin will have to wait, until Richard attempts to enact revenge against him, just like he did against his own father, which I think is hilarious. He basically knows exactly what he's done and expects Richard to strike back. So funny. Yeah. I also like that now that's like the second season and the third season both have like kind of in the back half of the season, both have episodes where Kingpin like loses someone from his family Mm -hmm. in a way that's like, because his wife left him in the second, in the end of the second season. And then now his son is probably going to, you know, hate him forever in the season as well. So, and he knows it's just, destroying is destroying everything dude yep <laughs> and he knows it all the way through it which is i think what makes it compelling mm-hmm. yeah i agree the other short scene is at the daily bugle where it's revealed that J. jonah jameson hired matt murdoch to defend peter parker but won't let murdoch tell peter that because it'll ruin his image uh, which answers the question peter asked very early on which is how did you get assigned to my case if you're such a famous lawyer uh this is cute. I love it. I love this. Mm-hmm. I We've said many times that our favorite types of Jameson portrayals are when he's cranky but protective of his people. And this is very much that. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, he yells at Robbie for letting Peter have his job back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, then this last scene, this reference is something that you had mentioned, AP. Um, this last scene is with Daredevil and Spider-Man. And Daredevil is sharing with Spider-Man that he's going to be in DC with Matt Murdock. Hello, Spider-Man. Um, on a special <laughs> assignment for the Justice Department. So Spider-Man will have to take care of Kingpin. Um, and as he says, hold Kingpin at bay while he's gone. Spider-Man asks Daredevil how he and Murdock joined forces, which makes you think maybe he's on to it. Uh, but it doesn't really go further than that. And Daredevil doesn't really reveal anything other than just know that behind this mask is a friend. And Spider-Man's like, cool. <laughs> and then the episode ends. <laughs> so fun. Uh, boy, It's so funny that none of the guest heroes ever reveal their identities to Spider-Man. And nor does Peter ever like at least at this point. I yeah. don't know if it ever really happens. I feel like they always kept their secret identities secret. Which it's kind of like it's a classic comic thing, but I feel like even by this point, a lot of heroes knew each other's identities. So it's just fun that it's just like, nah, it wouldn't hurt if y'all knew who each other yeah. were at this point. You've Especially these two. I yeah. feel like these two could have yeah. gotten away with knowing each other. They're so entangled, both yeah. masked and unmasked. Yeah. Anyway, just one face of the episode. Whenever there's eye stuff in this show, we always got to call it out. And there's eye stuff. Specifically with Matt Murdock's sunglasses and Peter being reflected in in them in an extreme close up from a scene which I don't remember. I don't know where it comes from, but it's just one of the scenes, one of these many scenes where they're talking. And it's, uh, it's cool. I always think it's cool when they do that. Yeah, me too. Well, AP, what do you think of how this one wrapped up? Part two. I think it was wrapped up very nicely. I did like how they didn't reveal their identities to each other, at least not directly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It just made me think of like possibilities like possibilities to come like maybe he comes back and they team up again and they find out or i don't know and then he never came came back again that's why it's so um, wild to me that there's only these two episodes (laughs) i know it's just so it's such a missed opportunity they are it's it's like y'all keep saying they're so entangled they have they share like a major villain they're in the same city i mean daredevil daredevil is a little bit more street level than spider-man like literally Mm -hmm literally and like storyline wise <laughs> but they're they basically run in like roughly the same kind of circles i mean yeah. i don't know i don't know if this daredevil's from hell's kitchen i don't think they mentioned that i don't think they'd be able to um, literally say hell's kitchen yeah. on this cartoon <laughs> but Even though it's just a place <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know maybe maybe literally in this show spider-man and Daredevil are from the same like borough. I don't know. It's just it just makes it that much more wild that he never shows up again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, missed opportunity. I could get I could get behind the Daredevil animated series. Oh, me too. Yeah. But this episode was very well done. It set a, it's it set up a lot of seeds, plot point like a lot of different like plot seeds for the future. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty well done for like a nineties. <laughs> It, it almost felt like a 90s like superhero movie, but like animated. Like a little team <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Team up jaunt. The, the story was a, was, a, was a pretty hefty scope, I think. Like they did a good, a good job of it being a large scope, but still very intimate because it's yeah. so focused on Peter himself um, and, mm-hmm. and Matt and Matt and Daredevil are both integrated into that really well. Mm-hmm. I think, I know we had a lot of criticisms like about a lot and nitpicks about these two-parter, but I think it, this is ultimately like a really solid two-parter. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I did enjoy these episodes overall. And I think that like it might hmm, of like the, if con- compared to blade and punisher, 
which those, those are two parters that I also liked. But like, if you're considering a Marvel hero, you know, crossing over into Spider-Man, I think this might be my favorite two parter out of all of those three, which isn't to say anything bad about those other two parters. Cause they're good too. I think that's just high praise. I think this was just a really compelling story and arc. And it did feel very different from what this show normally does, even with some of the quibbles that we had. It was such. It was so clearly a backdoor pilot that they utilized. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm just going to keep thinking about that, like, like what we missed out on. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. it's so funny you say that because two weeks ago we covered an episode AP that also felt like a backdoor pilot, but really never stood a chance of becoming a spinoff series. This one so easily could have, so easily yeah. could have. It was. It was ahead of its time. If it. If it happened more recently. It, it, it would have been a thing. Where they yeah. weren't afraid of the word daredevil. <laughs> he has little horns. Oh, no. He's all red. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm super glad that you came to join us for these episodes, uh, AP, uh, especially because you have uh, at least a little bit more, you know, experience with Daredevil than the two of us do. I think ours is pretty limited. <laughs> so you can offer a little bit of insight there. Um, if people want to find more of what you're doing uh, or just more of you in general, where can they do that? Um, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at Secret Ranger Fan. Um, you can also find me on uh, my podcast. It's called Ranger Queen Power Hour. We talk Power Rangers about every other week. Um, and we also have extra episodes in there as well. You can find links to all of our Ranger Command Power Hour stuff at um, a Linktree link at linktr.ee slash rangercommandph. All of our links are on there to our websites, our socials. You can listen to all of our episodes on several different um, platforms. And um, if you're into Power Rangers and that kind of thing, uh, check us out. If you're into Power Rangers, it's honestly the best. It's the top tier stuff. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. We, we, we certainly try. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. And Derek and I have both appeared on there, too. So uh, yeah. you can get some more more Ranger Command and Walloping Web Snappers crossover over there as well. <laughs> yeah. If you would like more from me and Derek just in general, uh, I would direct you first to our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers for all sorts of extra spidey and sometimes not spidey stuff. Um, and you can check out our Discord. Uh, there should be a link in the show notes, but if you can't find it, just let us know. We'll make sure you get an invite. You can find us individually all over the place. Uh, Derek, where can people find you and the things that you're working on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale and on YouTube under my video essay show Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, and on a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, there's a Pokemon podcast called Victory Road. There's a Books and Games podcast called Novel Gaming. I appear on a Survivor podcast right now in the season called Spy Shack Podcast, and you can find a link to all those things on my Twitter. I also have a link tree. Uh, and there's a link to that right on my Twitter. Um, if you would like more from Derek and me together, uh, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episodes on Monsters University is out later this week, wherever you get your podcast, so be sure to check that out. You can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, which is a full archive of everything Derek and I are doing together. And you can follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod. Also, you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all podcast platforms. If you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. And they just haven't found us in those ratings and reviews make us much more visible and easy to find next week Smythe fails kingpin one too many times wait what wasn't he just fired okay we'll get into it uh (laughs) 
Uh, in the Sins of the Fathers, Chapter 8, The Ultimate Slayer. <laughs> Maybe I misremembered what happens in that episode. Bye. I don't know. Bye. Well, it could be the consequence, right? It could just. It, That's what it he is. He has it's failed him one too many times this week, and therefore, yeah. you know, we'll get the consequence next week. Bye. Bye.